The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. Morning, human. I am Greg Wagner, a human member, and on behalf of Reverend Dave Dunn, Director of Religious Exploration Lexi T. Brown, Music Director Alex Beach, and my fellow worship associates and the dedicated technical team that is making today's live stream possible, I would like to welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation, which we lovingly call human. We are a liberal faith community with the mission to nurture our spirit, strive for justice, uh, what else, and transform the world. No matter who you are, who you love, or where you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. Also, if you're visiting us for the first time, and feel free uh, to scan the QR code on the back of your printed order of worship or the code located at the greeters table to get in touch. It's great to see you all. Welcome. Uh, we have a few adult enrichment offerings this morning. Please refer to your order of worship, uh, order of service for the class locations. All ages are welcome at the service. I see you back there. All ages are welcome. Uh, I'm, I, I do that too, man. And in service to the fidget shelf, in services, the fidget shelf in the sanctuary, there will be a basket of fidget toys in the fellowship hall, or we will be showing the live stream service on the TV. Those who choose this option will need to stay with their children to supervise them in the fellowship hall. Children and youth religious exploration classes are held during second hour at 11.15 in Discovery Hall. The schedule for the next several weeks is in your printed order of worship. Did you know that last month, human solar panels generated 1.4 megawatt hours of electricity, saving us $162, and more importantly, 16 trees? Details about our solar-powered energy production can be seen on the running slideshow in the rear of the Fellowship Hall. Check it out. Sunday service on November 5th will be held by the musical duo Friction Farm. 
Friction Farm is a husband and wife team of internationally traveling troubadours. They combine storytelling, social commentary, and humor to create songs of everyday life, local heroes, and quirky observations. From ballads to anthems, each song is filled with harmony and hope. You won't want to miss this service. Spend, you hear ye, hear ye. Uh, spend an October night around a fire with stories and music. Friday, October 27th, this this Friday, at 8 p.m. as the moon is growing full, we will gather at human to tell and hear stories that should be shared and remembered. The public is invited. Together we will build a better world, bring a chair and any food or drink you wish to share. And now an announcement from the Harvest Moon Auction Team. Good morning. Um, where's the other half of the uh, of the auction team crew? I don't even see her in here. All right, well, on behalf of Kelly Callan and myself, Miriam Patanian, there she is. She's, there she is. <laughs> um, I want to just um, remind everybody, because you may have forgotten, since we didn't send out an email on Friday, that the Harvest Moon auction is Saturday, November the 11th at 7 o'clock. How many of you have not yet had the opportunity to get your tickets? Show of hands. Have not yet had the opportunity. Okay, there's a few of you who are willing to raise those hands. All right, no worries. Do you have your order of worship? Be because on the back of said order of worship is a QR code. Not to be confused with the very large circular one at the bottom that if you're a visitor, you should definitely do first. Um, but this little square one that's in the middle is to purchase your tickets for the auction. Even if you're going to be attending the auction online, you need to purchase a ticket. The tickets today are $15. The tickets on uh, as of the 28th, are going to be $20. And the reason for that is we need to get an accurate headcount so we can make sure that there is enough food on the cruise ship to sustain all of the attendees. Got it? So, um, so it is definitely in your best interest to get the tickets sooner rather than later so we know how many to, to feed. All right, um, some of you may have been, uh, when you walked by, you saw a bunch of items that are being dropped off. Um, I know some of you have said that you are not able to drop off your items until next week. That is fine. We will accommodate that, absolutely. Um, so please just shoot an email to either Kelly or myself. Um, you should have our email addresses a million times, or harvest-moon-chair at human.org, and we will um, uh, we'll acknowledge and make sure that we accept your items and get them into the auction catalog. All right. Any questions? You can come see Kelly and me after service. Thanks. And now, Eli and Kathy to talk about the Autumn Festival. Oh, my goodness. Next Sunday after service, service we're going to be having the Autumn Party party festival um and there's gonna be and it? um, it's from 11 30 to 2 30 there will be a hayride a costume contest 
a scary room, obstacle course, and so much more. And you can also bring your costume. <laughs> sounds amazing. Good morning. This morning's call to worship is by Alice Berry, who writes, Children of the earth and sky, we are nurtured, sustained, given warmth and light from above and below, supported by the earth's strong, firm crust. We build our homes, till the fields, plant our gardens and orchards. When we turn from self and seek to be aware, we will find holy light in human faces, in blossom, in bird song, and sky. Then the earth is truly our home, and we are one with all of earth's creatures, parents of earth's children yet to be. And now let us light our chalice together. We light this chalice for our children and youth and for us, celebrating the flame of faith lit in each of us, honoring the light each of us bring into the world, rejoicing in the community we create together. Today's a special day. We will have our child dedication for Coda Ryder Brown. So if Coda and family will come forward, that would be wonderful. From the beginning of time, parents have brought their children to houses of worship for dedication and have declared their responsibility for them. Hayden and Lexi, we rejoice with you in the gift of this child entrusted to your loving care. We are glad that, moved by a sense of the blessings and responsibilities of parenthood, you have brought him to your church home to seek for him the blessings of our free faith and universal church. And now Lexi would like to share a poem dedicated to Coda. Um, I wanted to first thank my family for coming today. Um, thank you for being here, and thank you for my friends, too, that came. Coda, word meaning, ally, friend, little bear, blessing. Among my favorites, rice patty of happiness. Just as happiness takes root and grows, our son planted himself in our lives, and our love grew and grew. Coda began to prepare us for parenthood before he was even born. Sleepless nights, check. Sore back and feet, check and check. And yet we were so excited to finally meet you. You made us wait and then wait a little bit more. Um, like you were waiting for the perfect time, the perfect moment, and then boom, there you were, coming out sideways. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> uh, 
Um, when your dad and I first saw you, the center of gravity shifted. No longer was the sun keeping the earth turning around its axis. It was our love for you. That, and that love is what carried us through the difficult parts of the next few days and weeks to come. But really, it didn't seem all that difficult. All we had to do was look at your face, and we felt the joy. Each day, we fall deeper and deeper in love with you, watching you grow bigger and stronger. It reminds all of us of the wonder and awe life has to offer, and we can't wait to spend the rest of our lives watching you grow up. Aiden and Lexi, what name have you given to your son? Coda Ryder Brown. As parents, your responsibility is first and greatest. Will you pledge your unconditional love and loyalty to your son? We will. Grandparents, Jennifer, Gus, Bridget, April, Jason, and John. This child has much to learn from your wisdom and traditions. Will you teach him your family traditions and your family heritage of love? Will you continue to offer companionship and affection through all the changing seasons of life? We will. Human children, if there's any human children here can come forward. Any human children, please come forward. Children of any age. That outfit and them shoes. They look so cute. Good, good. Yes. Human children. Coda will be joining you in creating a place for curiosity, courage, wonder as you share the joys and sorrows of your lives. Will you make a place for him? and welcome him as part of your sacred community? We will, yes. Thank you. Congregation, members of human, at this moment and for years to come, this child will be a member of our community of concern, responsibility, and affection, this child. Will you, will you make a place for him? and pledge to his parents your wholehearted assistance. We will. Coda, the water with which I will touch your forehead, freely given by the members of this congregation at the water communion of our in-gathering service last summer, mixed with those of past in-gatherings, is a symbol of the pure life, and the flower that I will give is a symbol of the fragrance of good deeds. The flower also symbolizes the meaning of your dedication. For whether a flower comes to full bloom or not, whether it fulfills itself as a flower or not, depends on the nurture it receives. No flower grows alone, apart from the sunshine and rain, apart from the soil in which it grows. So too, no child grows alone. Coda Ryder Brown. I consecrate thee to the joy of living, <laughs> to the mystery and miracle of love, and to the service of truth, justice, and peace. 
May your life be rich in vision, full in accomplishments, fired by the energy of high ideals. To the members of the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation, I present to you Coda Ryder Brown. May the miracle of this world in its fullness bless this child and all people this day and each day of our lives. Amen. Ancient Hebrews were among the first communities to make sustained use of phonetic writing. The first bearers of an alphabet, they were perhaps the first nation to so thoroughly shift their sensory participation away from the forms of surrounding nature to a purely phonetic set of signs, and so to experience the profound independence from the natural environment that was made possible by this potent new technology. To actively participate with the visible forms of nature came to be considered idolatry by the ancient Hebrews. It was not the land, but the written letters that now carried the ancestral wisdom.
Alex. Ah, the smell and the taste of autumn. Can't you actually smell it and taste it when you're out like raking leaves? Or how about in the winter? Maybe not so much here, but up north. But if you've experienced snow in the evening, it's a silent falling snow in the winter. Or in the spring, setting your eyes upon blooming azaleas everywhere. And in the summer, blooming hydrangeas. Feeling the sun on your back on a cold day. Actually, at last week's Pride that Shelley talked about, it was kind of overcast and chilly. And all of us, meaning like maybe a thousand, were standing there waiting, a little chilly. And then the, then the clouds parted and the sun beat down on our backs and everybody spontaneously went, ah, we could all feel it. It was beautiful. Taste, touch, sight, sound, smell. What do the senses do? And most, most basically, or in the deepest sense, they put us in relationship with the world around us. It's how we experience the world. How we experience, form relationship with the air, the land, the sky, the rivers, the water. Yet today, what does it mean when someone says, that makes a lot of sense, or that doesn't make any sense at all? What sense does that make? When we say such things, we're talking about thinking. We're talking about our minds. We're not talking about what we're sensing, really, at all. We're not talking about any relationship with the natural world around us when we say, that doesn't make any sense. We're talking about our mind. So how did this happen? How did this shift in what sense means in our experience? How did this kind of disconnect take place? Well, in our reading today, author and philosopher David Abram says that it's the invention of the written word, that the ancient Hebrews created the first alphabet, and that this invention shifted our sensory perception away from the land, the earth, the sky, the rivers and waters, towards words on a page or tablet or papyrus. And those words are interpreted by, interpreted by the mind that we're no longer using our senses. Does that sound like a stretch? So, when driving, how many of you, if you're going someplace not too mundane, if you're going someplace you don't normally go, how many of you will get your GPS out or use your car or phone GPS to go, well, just about anywhere? Yeah? Yeah, this week I went down to the American Friends Service Committee, the Qu a Quaker group. It was... Actually, I don't know where it was. 
It was down there somewhere Atlanta-ish, okay? Down there. I put it in my GPS, and I just followed the directions. I became kind of disconnected. When I do this, when I did this, I became kind of disconnected from the real world. And the whole journey from my starting point, my destination, it becomes kind of an object of sorts, a, a, a thing to get through, uh, an obstruction almost. We have countless examples of this kind of distancing in our everyday lives. Where does our food come from? You ask a child and they'll say, the supermarket, that's where it comes from. Where does, where does our clothing come from? Where does our trash go? What happens after we flush the toilet? Yeah. In indigenous communities, the holy people, the shamans, the practitioners of the magical arts using herbs and medicines, they generally lived on the outskirts of the community, sometimes not in the community at all. They live off, away from the community. Why? Because they sensed the divine in their intimacy with the land, the trees, the wind, the sky, the rivers, the waters. That's where they lived, out there. Today, we think of such practitioners as dealing in fantasy or the supernatural. Yet they would say what they practice has nothing to do with fantasy. Yet that they, yet that they are super focused on the natural. Which, Leo Martello says, I make no claims as a witch to supernatural powers, but I totally believe in the superpowers that reside in the natural. Well, there's no doubt that there's a lot of suffering in the natural world, in our lives, on, in the natural world. So much so that many religions have espoused theologies that this place, the natural world, can't be our real home. It can't be. Plato, in his allegory of the cave, said that this place, this world, was like a dark cave, and that we needed to transcend the cave and reconnect our souls to what he called the one. And then when we did that, we would then see with true intellectual vision. That's Plato. Gnostic Christians, these were some Christians in the first few centuries after Jesus and before Christian theology came about. There were many different kinds of Christians at that time. But Gnostic Christians, they believed that the God of the Hebrew Bible couldn't possibly be God with all the suffering in the Hebrew Bible. It, that couldn't possibly be God. And that this is not our home. And that there were secret Christian teachings, according to the Gnostics, that could help us transcend this place and get us back to where we belonged, not here, some other world. There was a religion called Manichaeism 
that's, I believe, a dead religion now. But Augustine, a young St. Augustine, was actually a Manichaean. And what the Manichaeans believed, again, that on, on the earth, our souls were trapped. And what we needed to do was to escape to this other world where we could reconnect with our divine light, that our divine light was trapped here in this place. When he converted to Christianity, Augustine used many of the ideas from Plato and the Manichaeans to form what became a lot of Orthodox Christianity. And I'm not making a value statement here at all, but merely a linguistic one. <clears throat> but when we use the words like supernatural and fantasy, we seem to associate those words linguistically <clears throat> with the shamans and the witches, not with the Christians, the Manichaeans, or the Platonists. I don't know quite why that is. But with the invention of the alphabet and the written word, we began to lose our sensory connection with the wild, natural world around us. I'm not saying it's bad to have the written word, but we need to be cognizant of that. We don't want to be losing our connection to the natural world through books, GPS, our telephones, fast food, air travel, the clothing we wear. Why is this sensuous connection to the natural world important? What are the implications? Well, if you want to prevent some kind of environmental catastrophe, people who've lost consent or lost uh, connection to the natural world there'll be cognitive dissonance. What does the natural world have to do with me? Why does it need to be saved? Under the best of circumstances, when we lose connection to the natural world, we treat the natural world as this object, something that we can study or control or manipulate, that the natural world becomes like a lab rat. And in our hubris, we think we can fix it. Again, David Abrams says, a genuinely ecological approach does not work to attain a mentally envisioned future, but strives to enter more deeply into a sensorial present. So what he's saying, an ecological approach a genuinely ecological approach isn't about fixing. It's about first connecting to the natural world through your senses, experiencing the natural world. You can do that in Atlanta. I've said this before. My favorite thing about Atlanta when I moved here seven, eight years ago was the great natural areas that have been preserved along the Chattahoochee River, the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area. It's amazing. Many cities don't have that in an urban setting. The brown, tannin-laden water flowing over the falls at Vickery Creek 
after a huge rainstorm. The silent green bamboo forest at the East Palisades section. The ever-present blue heron at Gold Branch. The riverscapes and cliffs at Island Ford. The owls at Columns Drive. One park is better than the next. We truly have something special here, something we can do to connect with our senses to the wild natural world. Ultimately, the taste and smell of autumn, the hushed sounds of a winter snowfall, the feeling of the sun on your back, the sight of blooming azaleas and hydrangeas, this is making sense. This is the root of our experience of nature. And quite possibly, it might be the root of our salvation. in an effort to fulfill and further the mission, uh, the vision and mission of this congregation, we ask that our members and friends share of their time, treasure, and talents. With this, we will now take the offering.
was crisp, crisp, crunchy leaves. <laughs> we accept this sacred offering generously given by our beloved members and friends. May we use it wisely and judiciously in service to our mission. And now we'll extinguish the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts until we are together again. Before I close, I do wish, we all wish, that we can find a way to have peace in the Middle East and around the world. May the firmness of the earth be yours. May the flow of water be yours. May the freedom of the air be yours. May the fierceness of the fire be yours. May all of these gifts of life from above and below be with you now and remain with you always. Go in peace and enjoy your week. Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia, thanks you for listening to the Human Podcast. Background music, courtesy of Tim Moore from Pixabay.